Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> How about that? Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Go to rotofanatic.com right now and check out our latest rankings from all of our analysts on the site. Today it's episode 60, the Dallas Keigel edition. It's been a long anticipated wait after two failed attempts. We got him. You know him from Pitcher List. Ben Palmer joins the show today. Ben and your host, Michael Govier will break down fantasy baseball because that's why you listen to this show. They'll talk about 2019 or 2020. Which one do you trust when it comes to your favorite player? Also, pitchers that will not be drafted, according to Ben and Mike. And we'll break down some classic rock because Ben loves music. Take it away, boys! tuned into the hey it's Enrico Palazzo fantasy baseball podcast it is episode number 60 60 we made it to 60 there's no Deary tonight Deary is with the wife Christina hi Christina I know you're out there I hope you guys are having a lovely evening on a Friday night don't forget it's Palazzo podcast at protonmail.com Palazzo podcast on Twitter two L's two Z's give me two love connecting and engaging with you guys so please you know hook us up with your feedback your emails your thoughts on anything you see that you're doing during your drafts or any preseason prep we love it today we have a guest that is <laughs> we've tried many times to make this happen we've never given up i think this is the third time officially really we tried once it didn't work we tried another time but we got about 17 minutes in and shit froze for some reason so we had to end that debacle but finally after all of this hard work and dedication and time and communication, we've got ourselves one of the finest men that I have basically, he's probably the coolest guy I know without knowing him that well yet. From his Twitter and everything I read about him, his work and his interest are right up my alley. This is a guy that you're gonna love. He knows pitchers, he works at Pitcher List. He is a local Marylander, which is a place I used to be. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, I'd like to give it up for the one and only Ben Palmer! Thank you so much. That is quite the intro. I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah, we try. We aim to please. Ben, how are you doing (laughs) on this Friday night? (laughs) I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, Just kind of hanging out and uh, ready to talk some baseball or whatever pops up. Doesn't matter to me. Dude. Again, another fortuitous opportunity for us because Marcelo Zuna has apparently mm-hmm. signed with the Brave tonight, so we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the Bauer signing and TGFBI League announcement day, a lot of cool stuff going on. But, Ben, 
I'm excited because you live in Maryland and it takes me back. I lived in Maryland for almost two years from about 2017 to 2019. Nice, nice. I lived in Cape St. Clair. Okay, yeah, I know. I've never been, but I know it. Okay, and I also lived in uh, Pasadena slash Severna Park, right on the border. Oh man, I do know the Dirty Dina. <laughs> I have I have a fun story about the Dirty Dina. I uh, <laughs> I got to experience it in full um, when I was a I was an uh, intern. I worked for uh, ninety eight Rock in Baltimore, ninety seven nine. And I had to do events, basically. Just I, you know, I worked the merch table. That was basically my job. And one of the events I was voluntold to do was a thing called Cougar Hunt at Bamboo Bernies in Pasadena. And um, for for any for you know this, there's like what one person maybe who knows what this place is, but Bamboo Bernies. To give you an idea of what Bamboo Bernies is, it is. Um, well, I, best way I can describe it, when I walked in within 30 minutes, uh, somebody overdosed on heroin, I think. Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah. Is, I, it the guy went to the is it a real bar or like a basement place? No, it's a bar. I mean, it was. It was. It's, it's shut down now. They're oh, gone. Okay. Right. Um, but it was a big, huge, big bar um, and restaurant. And yeah, I walked in and this guy gets up from his table, goes to the bathroom, comes back, and he's all like glassy-eyed. And then literally collapses on the table and the hot, the ambulance had to come and carry him out on the stretcher. So this is like within 30 minutes of this event. I'm like, I think somebody just died. (laughs) Like, and we were there for the event was Cougar Hunt, which is exactly what you think it is. It was a (laughs) bunch of 40, 50 something year old women um, competing in a beauty contest to, uh, to win the prize as the best cougar. Uh, so needless to say, it was not my favorite event. Like I said, I didn't volunteer for it. I was told I had to do it and it was just, but it was, that is when I think of Pasadena, Maryland, that is what I think of. I think of like the people at Bamboo Bernie's. (laughs) Dude, that sounds so much like Pasadena to me. It is like (laughs) such a descriptive, clear focus comes into my purview when you say that. Oh my God. It's a strange God. place. It, you know, there's like it's like some rich people over there, but then there's like trashy people over there. It's a weird amalgamation because you're on the water sort of and then but the it's yeah. like a kind of a tougher place to live, but they have a nice high school, but then there's like racists <laughs> there. It's really weird, man. So. <laughs> it's mostly a very blue collar area. It reminds me a lot of um Dundalk outside Baltimore. Oh, sure. It's a very like very, very like blue collar and very like uh i don't know it's hard to describe it's like when you enter dundalk or when you see someone from pasadena you're just like yeah yeah i see i get it like i don't know it's not even a negative <laughs> thing you're just like yeah no they they no. are they're definitely from pasadena <laughs> yeah you know you know it yeah you just you know, know what people know. mean <laughs> you do dundalk yeah dundalk is very similar i totally agree with that very cool i i miss maryland do you like living in maryland I've lived here my entire life and I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of how expensive it is to live here because uh, it is absurdly expensive. Um, sure. But I, I, you know, I live just outside Annapolis and I absolutely love Annapolis. Um, I love downtown Annapolis. Historic downtown Annapolis is gorgeous. Uh, over by the it water, is. you've got all these houses that are like, you know, 300 years old and it's beautiful. It's just, it's a beautiful city. You got the Alex um, uh, Haley statue? 
that yeah. Is? yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alex Haley statue. Yeah, there's a beautiful um, Thurgood Marshall Memorial they put in a few years back. That's really cool. Um, I mean, the state house is gorgeous. The, I mean, it's it's beautiful. I go downtown. The bar scene down there is real nice. And you know, pre COVID. Oh, we're gonna times. get to that. Don't worry. That's going to be part of uh, the later uh, segment. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like it. I love Baltimore too. Baltimore gets a bit of a bad rap because of the wire. But uh, I do love Baltimore and and I love D.C. too. I work in D.C. and uh, I love that I'm equidistant from both. I'm 45 minutes from either. So it's nice. I like Maryland a lot. Woo-hoo! I love Maryland, too. I do miss it. I really enjoyed my time there. And I can't wait till COVID ends so I can get back over there and vacation and hang out. So mm. I have friends, uh, the same guy I knew in the family. They live in the same house over there in Pasadena. So I'll be going to see them someday and. Heck, Very if I'm nice. ever over there, man, I'd love to. Yeah, know, let me know. Go up to a bar and uh, you know have a drink with you or whatever. That yeah, like, that'd be sweet. I would love for that to be a world that we could live in. That would be very cool. Yeah. One day, one day. One day. So, yeah, we're talking with Ben. He's living in Maryland. He's a Marylander. I don't even remember how we identified our. Is that what they call people? Marylanders? Marylander. Marylanders? Yeah. Yeah, you're a Marylander. If you're from Annapolis, you're an Annapolitan. <laughs> oh, which I is just i mean is just the douchiest thing but it i mean annapolitan <laughs> that's what they <laughs> that's just people from annapolis i call it i but, ubered uh, there a lot if you if, yeah. <laughs> if you're in uh sperry's and uh flat front khaki shorts and a, and a polo uh you are probably an annapolitan Sperry's. Wow, that's how you say that? I always said Spurries or Sparries. Oh, really? Oh. I was a Hmm. foreigner, dude. What did I know? I was a Michigander, truly. That's what I am. Oh, you're a you're a Michigan you're a a Michigan person? A Michigan. I am born and raised. That's where I that's where I left and that's where I returned to after No accent though. That's interesting. Really? Yeah. You don't I so here's the thing. The what what is the Michigan accent actually? Because I I just assume it's like Minnesota. It is. It's a little Minnesota is a little more blatant. Michigan, somewhere between Chicago, Illinois, and Minnesota, and Canada. We're right next to Canada. My girlfriend's yeah. Canadian, so oh. that makes sense. That you know what that makes sense, especially since Wisconsin is is almost like Chicago Canadian. It is like I that, totally and, agree and with yeah, that. I mean, and yeah, because like I've heard people from Wisconsin talking. I'm like, oh, that sounds like Chicago, and it's like, nah. That's was it's like yeah it's Chicago with a Canadian flavor. That's right. Well, hey, we're going to talk about fantasy baseball on the show. Don't you yeah. worry about it. We got plenty to cover on today's show. We'll talk about fantasy baseball from a pitching perspective, more specifically, because you know that's what uh, Ben specializes in. But we'll talk about everybody as well. We'll get his perspective on fantasy baseball. We'll do a shine to ride the pine. Get some projection predictions from him and any emails or tweets that come in. And that'll be the show. So, without further ado, let's get into Leading Off. There it is. We are in the Leading Off segment. Usually, you like that. That's a little old school NES for you right there. Yeah, that's, um, I was trying to pin that. Which game is that? Oh, you want to answer? That's, um... Yeah, I forget. I forget. I used to play that game. My aunt had an old NES when I was a kid. And whenever we would go <laughs> over there, I would play that, Duck Hunt, Super Mario Brothers, and this Ninja Turtles game that was on the NES. Tough uh, game. Tough game. Oh, my God, dude. So hard. 
the dam level where you gotta to put all the defuse all the bombs that's very i don't even difficult. think i got that far it was like because i was like a kid so i was like still stuck in the sewer and like the very first level just like <laughs> that yeah that game is super hard that should be the name of your uh autobiography stuck in the sewer stuck in the sewer <laughs> <laughs> or mine it could be mine that's fine I'll that one, so. i like it yeah but yeah so We've got some news, some action. And the answer is, by the way, it's RBI Baseball 3. Ah, I thought it was RBI Baseball. Then maybe. The third installment. Makes sense. So, Marcelo Zuna side with the Braves. This is the news that is coming out as we're doing this podcast right now. And I don't think that's very much of a surprise to anybody. There was a lot of hope that he would come back. But the fact that he got the deal he got and the fact that... There were some rumors he might go elsewhere. It did give me some pause that maybe he'd go to the White Sox or the Rays or something like that. But in the end, Atlanta is a great place for him to be. What else can you add to this, Ben? Marcelo Zuna in Atlanta, that's a good thing. Everybody wins. I agree. No, I, I, I like Ozuna a lot. Um, I was a big fan of him coming into the year last year. Uh, StatCast absolutely loved him last year. And StatCast absolutely loved him even more this year. I mean, his... Statcast profile is absolutely absurd. 96th percentile in uh, exit velocity, 97th in hard hit rate, uh, you know, 94th uh, in barrel rate, a 15.4% barrel rate. It's ridiculous. The guy is just crushing the ball and continuing what he did in 2019, where he started crushing the ball a lot better. His expected batting average last year was 315 compared to a 338. I mean, obviously, it's a small sample size, but I think when you combine it, with what he was doing in 2019 like yeah this is this is who ozuna is now and i think he's you know i think he's a guy who's gonna um hit 35 plus home runs and bat in the 270s 280s and be awesome i was kind of hoping so 2019 saw him steal 12 bases out of nowhere uh (laughs) which was kind of exciting i was like oh cool is he stealing bases now then he didn't steal a single base last year so I don't think that's going to be a factor at all. But, I mean, shoot. I mean, you know, batting like in the 280s with 35-plus home runs in the Braves lineup, yeah, I'll take that all day. Completely agree. And this is a great move for him. It's four years, $64 million deal. And there is an option for a fifth year, apparently. So good luck to him. Good luck to the team. And Mm -hmm. uh, the Braves are one of the most exciting teams. He's in the prime of his career right now. He's 30 years old. So this is... This is a win for him. It's a win for the team. And I just think it's a nice little benefit for Albies. Although you might be frustrated yeah. on his lineup spot and worry about steals. I mean, I'll grant you that. But everybody here benefits because he's going to drive in more runs and just be more of a run producer. Yeah, for sure. I think he's going to be... Yeah, I, I think he's going to be pretty much what... I, this doesn't really change my projection for him much at Agreed. all. Um, Roster Resource has him batting third, which I think is great. I'm real happy with it. Acuna, uh, Freeman, and then Ozuna, um, which would be awesome. Though they also have Darno batting fourth, which to me feels kind of odd. But um, yeah, I kind of like mean, that. I kind of like that. Yeah, I would love that actually. If, if Darno batted be, fourth, I, think, I, I think would be Ozuna thrilled. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it makes sense. And yeah, so he's going to give you plenty of counting stats. I think he's going to be a monster. His ADP right now is like I want to say fourth or fifth round, maybe sixth round. Uh, depending on the league size. And yeah, I'm more than happy to take that. I've not drafted him yet in any of the drafts I've done, which has only been a few, but he's not come across 
and been selected by Michael Govia just yet. But now, I don't rule it out. It's just a matter of when I take outfielders, and that's a different strategy that I will uh, defer to on another episode. But how about Hmm. Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers? He's in L.A. Not the L.A. that some people thought. He's not an angel. He's a Dodger now. Yeah, yeah. Dodgers Um, are a good team, so wins galore, right? (laughs) Oh, my God, yeah. It's... So the thing is, is like, yeah, I think wins will be fine. He's going to, I mean, he's going to have the run support. Um, if you're someone in a win league and not in a quality start league, which is better, it should be noted. <laughs> of um, course it is. Because wins are dumb. But if you're in a standard league, <laughs> and a lot of people are, um, you know, yeah, Bauer's going to be fine. Um, I do worry about him regressing a bit next year. You know, last year was definitely a small sample size. And I'm curious oh, if shit, the shit. Uh... <laughs> I gotta play our small sample size siren. Sorry, that's what we that's do. That's right, that. that's right, that's right. Anyway, go ahead. But yeah. I'll just let it I'll just let it play. I like it. Um it oh, is, God, oddly, is that from too? oddly that cathartic. Is... I kinda like it. What is that from? That would be Kill Bill. That is Kill Bill, thank you. I yes, thank you. Um, but anyways, Bauer, yeah, he's going to have plenty of starts. He'll get plenty of innings. I worry about him regressing a little bit because of the small sample size we had last year. He had a pretty weak schedule, uh, last year too. Central focused. And, uh, a lot of, yeah, yeah. And a lot of his, um, gains were thanks to massive increases in spin rate, which are likely because he was pine tarring his baseball. Uh, (laughs) because, because. Because I think I think what he was what he was doing, and this is very Trevor Bauer. I I read. Um, I feel like I understand him uh, a little bit more after reading the MVP machine, and like just kind of the type of person he is. And he seems like the type of person who would be like, you know what? I'm going to put some foreign substances on the ball and see if MLB says anything. And if they don't, well, that's their problem. They should have stopped me, and they didn't. And that and the, I mean. You know, as much as I may not like the guy, he's absolutely right. You know, that is MLB's problem. <laughs> like, MLB should stop that. That should be something they enforce if it's important to them. And they clearly didn't. So I'm curious if that's going to keep happening next year. We've seen him be pretty bad in the past, too. So I don't know. I, I worry about him. I'm probably not drafting him based on his price. I, I just worry about regression a bit too much. Um, but... Yeah, the thing with the Bauer signing that really bothers me is what it does to guys like uh, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, who I was hoping would see a little bit more innings and probably aren't now because, I mean, now that rotation, you know, I don't see the room for for those guys. It's going to be, what, Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer, um, Urias, uh, and Price. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so that kind of leaves Gonsolin... And uh, um, and uh, May kind of out in the cold, so that's kind of a bummer. Uh, but yeah, if you're looking at drafting Bauer, I don't know. I I'm curious. What's his ADP? I'm gonna look it up. Hold on. His ADP oh, right it? now. It's usually is, a, geez, a 15. fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. I that's just also me. I don't draft pitchers in the first two rounds like ever. He's usually the fourth starter. Fourth or fifth yeah. starter off the board, he is after the nah, big three. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, that's way too rich for my blood. I get it if people do it. If you, especially if you believe like he's gonna do 
what he did last year. And, and I can see that argument and I get it, but I, I personally, I can't do that. I can't stomach that. It makes me too. It worries me too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want you to worry, Ben. We don't want you That's to right. do anything against your will. So don't draft a guy. You're not going to feel comfortable with Bauer. Bauer right, speaks fine. for himself. Yeah. Fine. 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 <laughs> Bauer speaks for himself. You know what you're going to get with them. I think there's a lot more outcomes that could happen than you might think. I wouldn't bank on what you saw in 2020, but if he's going to continue to cheat, like you said, he is. That is such a great (laughs) breakdown of what he would do. Oh, well, I'm just going to do what I want. And if nobody stops me, I'll just keep on going. Exactly. I think that's because he's tweeted about how, like, you know, he thinks the Astros were doing that. And so what he probably did, I can just see it is he probably tweeted that out, saw MLB did nothing about it, and so he said, screw it, I'm going to do it then. If they're not going to stop them, I'm going to do it too. And if they're gonna, you know, not going to stop me, then great, I'm going to have a whole lot of success. And he did, and, and he's absolutely right. MLB, if MLB cares about that, they should enforce it. So, Genius. Um, <laughs> Seriously, that but, is so yeah. well put, man. That is perfect. That's exactly what happened. I think, yeah, I, I'm I'm almost certain that's what happened. But I and I also would like to plug real quick. Mikey Aheto um, on Pitcherlist wrote a great, great uh, article on why Bauer is not likely to repeat what he did last year. So go check that out. It, he dives into pit, pretty much everything that I've been saying and and a little bit more. So that's worth that's worth looking into if you're curious. Hell yes, I love Mikey, and let's pump that all day. Mikey's, Mikey's one great. Of my, uh, one of my favorites in the biz, and that is a great call. Bauer, hey, good luck. I, I'll yeah. probably be avoiding Bauer in most leagues, but if you like him, take a shot on him. Uh, TGFBI is now live. We have the leagues. All 29 leagues have officially been announced, and even Justin's own wife, Danielle Salinger, has made the cut. She was in League 29 with some heavy hitters like Todd Zola and Draft Cheat. And uh, Blair Williams, of course. So this I'm is, just uh, now be... learning that her name's Danielle. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Oh yeah, she's Denial. great. I've had her on my other podcast, uh, so I got oh, to know I'm her sure. a little bit I'm more sure beyond baseball. Great. Yeah, I had. Oh, yeah, I just she's... had no idea what her first name was until <laughs> just this now. D Sal- the D Salinger stands for Danielle. So Danielle, congratulations! Welcome to the big time. Uh, what league did you end up in, Ben? Are you nervous or excited? Oh, I'm not nervous because I'm going to lose. Um, <laughs> no, I'm in. I'm in League Twenty. Um, with some with some really good guys uh, and uh, fellow pitcher list writer Andy Patton is in the league, which will be fun. Um, whoop! I just lost Mike. I wonder if anyone's watching this live. Uh. It's all good. I'm here. Welcome. I don't back. know what that Welcome was. Back. That was very bizarre. <laughs> but fellow pitcher list writer Andy Patton's in your league. Cool. Yes, Andy Patton is in my league with me um, and uh, a handful of other guys from around. uh, Not anyone that I personally know, um, but I'm looking. One of the things I love about TGFBI is um, getting to know people in the industry. I've gotten to like I've gotten to know a handful of guys uh, a lot better because we always end up starting a, a group message on Twitter for our slow draft and we end up talking a lot throughout that and you know everybody starts following everybody on twitter and you know so it's that's nice i, re- I really enjoy that I, this is my third year doing it and that's one of my favorite parts third. about doing it yeah this is my third year um but uh yeah i don't think i'm gonna win because i just don't do well in that format i um i try but man i have i have strong feelings about fab in that i hate it 
like a lot. <laughs> and uh, I think it's I think it's entirely arbitrary. I think everybody makes it up, and I think a waiver system just works infinitely better. But you know, if you want to do fab, whatever. You know, I really I don't I don't. Oh God, I hate fab so much because here's the thing. So when you do when you do fab, and I know people have told me like, oh, it's not it's not random. I there's I I'm of two minds on it. One, and this is just me personally. I'm playing fantasy baseball to have fun, and I realize there's a whole lot of research that goes into fantasy baseball, and I do like that. What I'm not interested in doing is creating a spreadsheet budget and then creating different uh, valuations of different bids that I should place on different players to fit within my budget and then getting outbid by a dollar by some guy in the league who's just like, I don't know, $122? Because that's what happens all the time because that honestly that's how it's gotten to where that's where how i bid because i'll be like what is this player worth to me i don't know uh how about 157 dollars and <laughs> then i bid it and then i find out that the next highest bid was like five dollars and i'm like well i'm an idiot or vice versa i'm like okay uh, you know 123 sounds good to me and then i lose to someone who bids like you know 400 and I'm like, what? Why? And it just, it feels really arbitrary to me. And yeah, but you have a chance though. Well, if you have a waiver well, spot and a certain waiver spot, you know you'll have no chance. If you're like 13th, you know you're probably not going to yeah. get somebody. But uh, honestly, I think that's fine because if you're if you're 13th, that should be because your team is really good. Because if we do it based on reverse order of the standings, then you don't necessarily need the. This sounds like I'm preaching redistribution of wealth. <laughs> Look, the top one percent. <laughs> the top one percent doesn't need all the wealth. Let the wealth go to the bottom. One percent. But uh, no, like taking all your money. Exactly. If you if you're last in waiver, <laughs> yeah. If you're last in the waiver orders, because your team's really good. So guess what? You don't really need. I mean, obviously, you'd like to have the top waiver guy, but you don't need it. So I don't know. And what happens is at the end of the year, you 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 know bid money on a guy you thought you really needed or you bid a whole bunch of money on a, a top prospect who just got called up. And in TGFBI, rosters are so big and leagues are so big that you know anybody who's going to sniff an at-bat is on your roster. So, you know, uh, last year, this happened to me last year, Monte Harrison gets called up by the Marlins. Yeah. And Monte Harrison's, you know, big deal. So I blow a whole ton of money on him and he like sucks and goes down and up and just, you know, is, is useless. And obviously that risk comes with taking prospects, but I don't know. You end up doing that. And then at the end of the season, you have no money. And the guy who was just like, who happened to draft well and has a whole bunch of money can like, you know, grab great players for pennies on the dollar. And just, I don't know. I don't know. I get why people like it. And that's fine. You don't like it. Every every everybody plays fantasy differently, and that's great. But I personally just really hate Fab. Um, well, I gotta say, it's not... the first time I've heard that anybody is against Fab. Most people oh, are always trying to I'm, make the case for Fab because they're in I'm a waiver a system. This is a new I'm, one. I'm 100 percent the minority, and that's totally fine. I get it. And and I have no like. I don't think people who do Fab are idiots or anything. Like I said, people play fantasy differently. That's fine. And honestly, that's not. I uh, you know. I like I like doing TGFBI, and I think the league the league is just tough. It's just really really hard, and a lot of times it comes down to your drafting because you got two catchers, because you have 
huge rosters, 16 team leagues. It comes down to your drafting and it comes down to luck a lot of times too, because if you lose a guy to injury, you lose a top, you know, one of your top 10 players to injury, you're in a lot of trouble. So it's a really tough league. I've, I've done okay in it before I came in the top. I was very proud of myself for coming to the top hundred last year. So I think that's the best I've ever really? done. But not bad, yeah, not yeah. bad. Yeah, it's I finished the best uh, three, 289, 290. Oh, that was like that. that was me year one. And and again, the reason I finished top hundred was all, all luck for the most part because I <laughs> lucked out that some guys I drafted really did break out. Some of the darts I threw um, worked out, and but sure. that happens in any fantasy league. So, but no, that's I'm true. very happy to be in TGFBI, and it's a lot of fun. It's a big fun league with a whole bunch of different fantasy analysts and the fantasy baseball community is wonderful. So any chance I have to interact with everybody is a blast. That's great, man. I can respect that. I am down with that. And it's always a pleasure to be a part of something this cool and big and it's inclusive. I dig it. Justin Mason always gets all the credit and well-deserved because he made this thing happen and cheers to Justin. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. Big shout out to Justin for managing that. I can't imagine the headache it is. Oh, well, that's a perfect time to start some of our housekeeping here as the Mr. Belvedere music begins to play. I want to thank everybody in the community here. Streets on the China. Everything. It just makes the show better. Thank you so much for the tweets and for the positive feedback about our music and all the silly things we're doing. Plus, you know, all the guests. You guys have been great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to shout out to my TGFBI league. I'm very excited to get to know All some of you guys better. Andre Chavez, I don't know you yet. There's Looking forward to it. Andy Behrens, I know who that is, but I don't know him personally. There's a whole bunch of Chris Towers who's been on the show. Devithius, Dave Swan, I know you, Dave. I know you well. Can't wait to go toe-to-toe with you. Gene McCaffrey apparently is a stud. I didn't actually know who he was. Steve Paolo, who's another guy enlightened me on Gene McCaffrey's incredible uh, prowess as a fantasy baseball player. He's won multiple big-time leagues, so I'm looking forward to all these guys, everybody in the mix. It's going to be really, really fun. And like Ben said, you know, this is a privilege to be in this, and you learn a lot from it. So that's the best part. Street Street on the China. You learn, and Never you meet new people. And what else could you ask for? When you drop kick your jacket as you came yeah, through the a, door. That sounds like a great no lead. Glad, it's the best. It's better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares yeah that's no matter. that's those are some those are some great those are some great people in the league chris chris especially chris is i love chris i've uh i interact with him on twitter every now and then i did a uh, pitch con panel with him last year and it is so funny to me that very very frequently i at least once a week chris will tweet something and i'll be like that is my exact opinion like <laughs> word for word yeah. this man has my exact opinion he brought up on our PitchCon panel, he started talking about some bands. And I'm like, you know these guys? Like, he's, he's, he's got good he's, music. He knows music. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's a joy. I could talk music with him for, you know, a year. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm with you all the way. And speaking of that, uh, music, I want to do a shout out. Al Melchior's podcast is awesome. The oh, You, yes. Me, and an Album. Have you checked that out? I haven't checked it out, but I know of it. And I need to check it out because it sounds fantastic. That's right up your like- alley. You know, so focus on it. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of it. He's got new guests on every week, and they do one album. And I like that concept of like hmm. he doesn't oh, know yeah. everything about music, so he's getting to know music from hmm. other people's perspectives. And yeah, it's just a great idea. It's a really smart idea. Oh, it's a brilliant idea. I love it. 
And I love Al. So Al's a great guy. I like music mm-hmm. and I like mm-hmm. to learn about new music. So it's a win-win. And Chris Towers was just on his show doing uh, the Carly Rae ah. Jepsen album <laughs> of all albums. Oh so my God, I, he would. Yeah, that, that, yeah <laughs> that's... Which one? Was he doing... Uh, he loves Carly Rae Jepsen, which is justifiable. Uh, yeah. He's uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. She's great. What? Uh, which album was it? Emotion? I think it was. I can't, I can't remember because I... I was listening I to them talk, but I, I totally was tuning out all the Carly Rae Jepsen stuff. Was it the one with Call Me Maybe on it? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think that was okay, the one, yeah. wasn't it? That's, yeah, that was her. Yeah, that was Emotion. That's a good one. It's a good one. She's great. It's great pop music. Like you, you have to like, like it for what it is. Like it's, it is pop music. It is not meant to like change your life or something. It is meant to be very fun, light, catchy pop music. And if you, approach it understanding that yeah then you'll you'll like it i think okay i think that is a wise comment thank you uh if you don't know that show check it out l milk yours the best uh i've already said how cool i think he is i've done it way too much and (laughs) that's it that's enough now it is time for us to get into it this is the Hey, it's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Utah. Never forget that. Don't forget, we're also part of the Royal Fanatic Podcast Network, along with Matt Williams' Turn 2 Podcast, and probably others down the road. Who knows what'll happen? But make sure you go to royalfanatic.com, check out everything we got going on. We got articles by Paul Mamino. We got a brand new article from Carm Mayorano. Carm is a very, very intelligent dude, and it's about barrels. It's really cool. Just a little teaser there for you. Go to royalfanatic.com, check it out. Carm is, uh, he's not given enough praise. He's unheralded. I think he needs to be heralded more. He's a really good dude, good family guy. He's got a baby on the way, and he's smart. Oh, nice. So he's got it all. That's he has awesome. everything you would want. There's my spiel. Now it's time for Enrico's Inquisition. Are you ready, Ben? I'm ready. Let's do it. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Oh, Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. And... Rico's Inquisition. <laughs> there it is. That's Bozo I say, <laughs> I am. I am so glad when you asked Van Halen or Van Hagar. I was so worried that the whoever whoever that was responding was going to be like, mm, "That's a tough one," because it is not a tough <laughs> one at all. <laughs> well, hey, Ooh, now that we're in Rico. Yeah, you know, we teased it last time on our failed episode, but <laughs> I know you're a big Chicago fan. We've talked about Absolutely. Chicago on Twitter, you and I, so we got to have a little bit of Chicago, some music going on. Great. We always play some music in the background on Enrico's Inquisition, and I thought this would be apropos. I mean, great. This is uh, this is their best album, uh, their debut, CTA. It's uh, really? fantastic. Oh, my God. Yeah, CTA is so good. I, it's, I mean, it's oh. tough. CTA is... It's close. CTA Chicago 2 is really good, and it's all good, the early stuff. I would agree with that. It just makes it sound like it's all downhill from there. Because that's so, what no, a debut. So, what a debut. Oh, it was an incredible debut. The thing that's incredible about them is they release an album every single year from, like, 69 to 74. 
and mm-hmm. CTA, Chicago 2, and Chicago 3 were all double albums. And then Chicago 4 was a live album, it was a quadruple album. Um, no, Chicago 3 was a single album. So 1, 2, and 5 were all double albums. 4 was a quadruple live album, and 3 was a single album, all released one each a year. The amount of content they put out was just absurd. I mean, it just is. truly incredible. And Terry Kath, the guitarist, yes. one of the most underappreciated guitarists in history. The guy, there's a great video of him doing 25 or 64 live, and the guy starts shredding in a way that is just incredible. Just the way he moves. The I've seen it. Board. I've seen it. I know exactly Dude. what you're talking about. And he's like, he's like headbanging the whole time. So he's not yes, even looking yes. at the fretboard. And he just moves up and down the fretboard in a way that is just, it, it's like his third arm. You can just tell. He just knows <laughs> it. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Fucking guns, man. God damn it. Dude. Uh, oh, you know what the story about what his last words were, I right? Saw- I saw the documentary, but I forgot. So he was he was uh, cleaning his gun, and he was at a party or whatever, and some guys were a little um, concerned that he had a gun out. And he's like, don't worry about it. He shows him a magazine's empty. No problem, dude. And he holds it up to his head, and he goes, what do you think I'm going to do? Shoot myself? Pulls the trigger and forgets there's one in the chamber. So his last words Ugh. were, what do you think I'm going to do? Shoot myself? And God, that's so brutal. Just so awful. So sad. I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, now I remember that very clearly. It, everybody, <laughs> when they tell that story, it's just, they still cry about it. The guys in the band. and oh. It's very emotional all these years later. I mean, it was yeah. over 40 years yeah, ago. It's, it was so, the reason I love Chicago is um, I grew up with it because my mom was a diehard Chicago fan uh, when she was a kid. Or when she was a teenager, I mean. So she distinctly remembers when Terry Kath died. Like it was a momentous day for her, and it was uh, it was it was a real sad day for her too. So yeah, I grew up always hearing about Terry Kath and hearing about Chicago and Pizza Terra and Jim Pankow on horns and just all these incredible Walt Parasader, who are incredible. But yeah. <laughs> Man, you got a lot of knowledge. We got to do a whole show it. about music or something because oh we are God. on the same yeah. level there, man. I, I <laughs> love music. It's a big part of my life. Always has been. You know, got the yeah, guitar same. right here. Uh, nice. What do you have? Oh, it's just something. It's just a. I bought this last month or six weeks ago. It's a Yamaha Trans Acoustic. Okay. It's got that built-in nice, uh, yeah. reverb and chorus mm-hmm. in it that you just press the button on. You don't need to plug in or anything. It's it was so cool. I had to buy it. It was like six hundred. Yeah, bucks, Yamaha. But... Yamaha makes some really solid acoustics, especially for the yeah, price. Yeah, it's surprising to me because I don't. Yeah. I never was like I don't want to own Yamaha. They make everything because it makes you feel like they yeah. make everything, so they're not good at anything in particular. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not yeah for the case. price. They they make some solid acoustics. They really do. I would agree with that. So, all right. Well, I got a whole bunch of stuff I want to ask you let's about. So let's, let's dive into yeah. that. Let's dive in. So, uh, Jeff Beck or Rod Stewart? Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> Jeff Beck's my favorite guitarist of all time. That's my favorite guitarist. Wow. Uh, uh, Jeff Beck is Jeff, Jeff Beck. The way this guy, if you watch him live, the way he holds the strings, he doesn't play with a pick. He puts the palm of his hand, or kind of the bottom part of his hand, right at his wrist. He puts it on his whammy bar. He plays a strat. He puts it right on the whammy. Not even the bar. It's right on the bridge. 
and um, he plays with like his ring finger, his thumb, and his uh, index. It kind of like picks around like that, and whenever he wants a nice little bend, he pushes on the bridge on the whammy with his wrist. It's insane. I, his wow. technique is absurd. He, is he's so incredible. Fancy. He's I've, I've, I've never just, heard I like live that. and breathe Jeff Beck. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he, I live and breathe Jeff Beck. The man is incredible. Jeff Beck group um, with Rod Stewart is great. Yeah, that's why I did um, that. You know, Rod Stewart was a yeah. front man for the Jeff Beck. I I, I I love Rod Stewart um, until he, until he started doing like his disco stuff or whatever. But yeah, Rod Stewart's great. But yeah, I adore if Jeff Beck. His instrumental body, stuff. <laughs> you know he, you know he stole that melody. He jacked that melody from Jorge Ben, uh, this Brazilian artist uh, who has this great song called Taj Mahal. It's the exact same melody as the chorus of uh, um, "If You Do You Think I'm Sexy." Oh, exact I did not same. Know that. Oh yeah, it's wow. uh, it's a great song. But cool. um, yeah, no, I love yeah Jeff Beck. His instrumental stuff in the '70s, uh, "Blow by Blow" and "Wired" are two of the most incredible guitar albums ever. But yeah. Yeah, my dad was a huge Jeff Beck fan. He exposed oh me God. to Jeff Beck at a very young age on his vinyls, and mm-hmm. that's where I learned about it. I've got a handful I, of Jeff Beck vinyl, yeah. I was Great. never... I, so you have a ton of vinyl, right? I've got about 500 records in my collection, yeah. That's Roughly. awesome. I, my dad <laughs> gave me all his vinyls. He used to... I mean, he had his vinyls, and then he also did DJing in the 80s when they still oh, used vinyls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was a wedding DJ and stuff like that, so he had a... He had a cool collection awesome. of like classic rock stuff, but then it branched out into weird random eighty stuff that he okay, probably yeah. wouldn't have bought on his own. And he yeah, yeah. he gave it all to me. But and there was like probably three hundred, four hundred records, but they were in those like milk crates. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 They're That's heavy. My, parents they were really used, heavy. my parents used to keep theirs in milk crates. Yeah. Yeah. They were really yeah. heavy and yeah. I moved around a lot. Like I said, you know, I lived in Maryland. I've lived at that time. I lived uh, in Denver. I moved out to Colorado, and I lugged mm. all of them with me. And I, I just always move. I was always on the move a lot during that period yeah. of my life. And I sold them to some guy because I was sick of moving them around. And I really regret that now. This is about nine, nine years ago. I regret oh, it now. Man. I do. Yeah. No. I, I get it. I get it. They are. I mean, especially three, four hundred of them. That's a lot to lug around. So it I get is. it. <laughs> I was always by myself. I've I've yeah. always been a man alone. <laughs> uh, all right, so I got some more here. How about this one? Uh, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Easy. Lord of the Rings is the greatest uh, piece of literature ever written in the English language, in my opinion. Uh, uh, I am not a... <laughs> a, uh, I am a diehard Lord of the Rings fan. I will gladly dive into as deep a lore as you want to get for Lord of the... Like, like I'm super psyched for this Amazon series because I know like the the they're going to be dealing with the second age and the forging of the rings and um probably the story of Celebrimbor which is an incredible story and the fall of Numenor and it's the rise of Sauron it's going to be amazing if the if that's what they do and it sounds like that's what they do based on the locations where they're going but yeah Lord of the Rings is incredible I adore it Wow okay I live and breathe Lord of the Rings I love Star I Wars if... but I live and breathe Lord of the Rings yeah, I, I, you ever see the Clerks 2? You ever seen Clerks 2? I have not seen Clerks 2. No, I should, though. You should. Uh, it's actually a good movie. You would think a sequel like 12 years after the first one might suck, but it's actually good, and they have a whole... Oh, oh here we go. Art's checking in on Lord of the Rings. He loves it. Uh, Art's, uh, <laughs> Art's for the triple play. 
Fantasy Podcast, and uh, I just finished telling my kid over two weeks of bedtimes. He told the whole Lord of the Rings. The to his Lord child. of the Rings. I I have been trying to get. I've got a um, I've got a ten year old, and I've started talking to him about like, do you want to read The Hobbit? Because I feel like The <laughs> Hobbit's the best intro. I first read the trilogy um, when I was like eleven or twelve. My my dad forced me to read the forced me. I I really wanted to see the movie, the movies when they came out. And my yep. dad said, you cannot, I will not let you see the movies until you read the books. So I read the Aww. books, and I fell in love with the books. I'm so glad he did that. Um, and so ever since then, I just adore the books so much. Like, just, yeah. I've got a handful of different copies of them. I, I have a nice, like, hardcover set of the trilogy and The Hobbit. So I'm hopefully going to get my 10-year-old to listen to me read him The Hobbit soon. But we'll see. <laughs> he had a very lukewarm reception to it. He was like, eh, okay. Oh. Well, yeah, you know, sometimes you grow into these things. You gotta take yeah. your time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Fells Point or Fed Hill? Wow, that's a great question. They're like the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I would go no, they're, Oh, no, they're Point. not. No way, dude. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I would go Fells, Fells because um, it's more interesting. Fed Hill is a little uh, highfalutin for me sometimes. It is pretty, but it is a little of the wealthier side of Baltimore. And uh, wait, 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 I don't know. wait. So I see Fed Hill as like the post-college kids, like mid-twenties kids. Oh, still, you and know then what? Fell's I'm, Point. I think you got it backwards. I would say you got it. Backwards. I'm th- no, I'm thinking of Canton. I'm thinking of Canton. Oh, okay, okay. okay. My bad. Right. My bad. Yeah. No, um, I do like I like Fed Hill. Yeah, I was thinking of Canton. I get them mixed up. That's actually similar um, too. Yeah, Fells. I do love. I do love Fells. So I would say nice. they've got a great record store there. Um, oh really? Yeah, I'm blanking on. Is it right there around the water? Soundgarden, or is it up, uh, Soundgarden. Up Broadway? Soundgarden. Huh. Um, I don't I think, think I ever saw that place. Soundgarden record store. I'm gonna Google it real, real fast. I did. Um, it is on uh, Tim Street or Thames Tame Street. Tame Street. I don't know. Oh, okay. Tim Street. Yeah. Tim Street. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a huge record store. Beautiful place. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I would go Fells. I like Fells. The bars and Fells I, are nice too. I always heard that the that one place on Broadway in Fells Point was owned by the guy from All Time Low, the band. Did you ever hear that? Story? Oh, I believe I it. I mean, they're from Towson. I think it's called Rockwell. So. The Rockwell. I believe it. Yeah, I I don't know that for sure, but I believe it. They're yeah, they're a local band, so okay. wouldn't shock me. Well, then it's got to be true. Then I. Yeah. That's fine. I'm just going to believe it. Uh, how about this one? Uh, McGarvey's or Acme? <laughs> McGarvey's. <laughs> For sure. Acme is uh, Acme is the bar in downtown Annapolis where uh, you end up, not where you go. <laughs> Acme's like, the, 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 like, he's like, I guess we'll go to Acme. They were the only, I went there one time for New Year's Eve and they were the, uh, they were the only place that had the cheap. They had the cheapest cover, and it was it was still like a twenty dollars cover, <laughs> and it was just cramped Dude, and kind of gross. Yeah, not. Yeah, <laughs> McGarvey's for sure. But I there are other bars. There are bars in um, downtown Annapolis. I would take over McGarvey's. There's a great uh, speakeasy, basically. Uh, it's a whiskey bar uh, called um, Dry Eighty Five on Main Street. That's fantastic. Most incredible bourbon selection you'll ever see. I never went in there, but I, I was aware of it. I was. Great, great food, too. Fantastic. They've got these, like, garlic fries that are incredible. Yeah, they're great. Nice. 
Man, that's so funny. Acme is such a dump, man. Oh, I knew the man. guy the guy who owned that place. I took a guy home one night. He was like his best buddy way up in like, uh, oh boy, like up in Arnold or deep up in the woods up in mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. Annapolis in the middle of nowhere. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was such an asshole. He really was. <laughs> Acme's, yeah, it's not great. Uh, it's probably the worst bar in that area, in my opinion. It is. Yeah, also, maybe. I've... great song choice, by the way. Love it. This is... And when I die, I have uh, um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears' first album with David Clayton Thomas. Great, great, great album. Love it. He's underrated as a front. I love his voice, and he's got such oh, a yeah. presence, man. Oh, they're, the whole band is underrated. Their early stuff oh. before David Clayton Thomas, uh, Child is Father to the Man, uh, Al Cooper's early stuff with them. Oh, my God. Great stuff. Great stuff. But, yeah, I love this whole album. That, talk about a great brass section up there with Chicago beautiful i i love these bands this i grew up on these types of bands they're yep. just so good they'll always be a part of me i don't care how old mm-hmm. i get or what <laughs> taste change or get modified uh how about this uh willie nelson or waylon jennings great question willie nelson i would go willie nelson but i do love waylon um willie made my favorite country album of all time with redheaded stranger so uh i gotta go willie okay. I do. I, I do. Waylon Jennings is great, though. So that's a close one. Nice. I uh, got no complaints on that one there at all. Uh, a 1984 Chevy Cavalier or anything else? <laughs> oh, man, you did your research. Yeah, <laughs> I drove a 1984 Chevy Cavalier and it was junk. Anything else? I would walk. That thing, I found that car uh, in a yard. Uh, it was literally going to go to the dump. And I was like 17 and I was like, I asked my parents, can I just have this? They're giving it away. They're going to take it to the dump. My parents <laughs> were like, all right, fine. And it was absolute trash. It um, it had the front dash was collapsed into the dashboard. Um, <laughs> some of it was. It was loose. And the front vent on the right was collapsed into the dashboard. Um it stalled. It was an automatic, but it was an early automatic. It stalled out at every traffic light, every stop. Every full stop just poof, shut down. And I had to start it up again to go. And for some reason, the most annoying part was it had hand crank windows that were missing the little ball. Yeah. I had to, like, push it with my thumb. It had no AC either. It had only heat. It was just, it was a junk car. But it lasted for a year, and then it stalled out at a stop sign and didn't start back up. The battery died. And uh, that was the end of the flying white metal death trap. <laughs> I had the same car, just red. No way. So I you did. had an 84 I Cavalier? I did. No joke. <laughs> I had so I had funny. an 84 and an 86. Uh, there was a couple oh, Cavaliers wow. that kind of came through me during high school. So. Oh, man. See, I was I was driving mine in high school, too. But that was in 2000. It was my junior year. So it's been 2008. 2007, nice. 2008. I was driving it. It was 25 years old. It had it could have qualified for historic tags. <laughs> That's it was right. Garbage, man. Yeah, it was garbage. Garbage. <laughs> uh, Mike Bordick or Brady Anderson? Ooh, yeah, it's a great question because Mighty Mike Bordick is heavily underrated. But I would go Brady just because of what he meant to me as a kid. Okay. I I loved Brady Anderson as a kid. Um, especially that 97 season where like everybody on the Orioles hit like 40 home runs or whatever, like Brady and Palmero <laughs> and Cal. I think it was 30 yeah. plus a whole bunch of them. And uh, Roberto Alomar. 
But yeah, Brady was fun to watch. He was super fast, great fielder. Um, not a super huge fan of his work in the front office for the Orioles, uh, but uh, he's great as a player. But Bordick was great. I'm really sad uh, the uh, Orioles, or, or Masson, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, uh, tossed Bordick as a color analyst. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, he's he was a good he was a good color analyst and a great shortstop. He had um, God, what was his streak? He had a streak of games without an error that was absurdly oh, yeah. long. That's right. He had just that. incredible fielder and a solid hitter. I, I always like I always like Bordick, but yeah, um, I'd probably go Brady. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he went on an incredible <laughs> run of errors or not having errors. Yeah. It was, uh... Like 110 consecutive games, something like that. He something finished like, uh, more than that, I think. He had 400, here we go, 429 consecutive chances without an error. Wow. That's good. That's yeah, what he was, so, I mean, I remember yeah. for his defense the most. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he was like a, a solid hitter, but not any, like, a, he would have a high average and never hit much in the way of, like, home runs. Uh, yeah, his career high was 20 home runs in 2000 um oh actually his average wasn't as high as i thought it was a career 260 hitter so not much of a hitter but a fantastic fielder really like a dick schofield (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was he was a real good hitter uh yeah career 22 war pretty much so yeah not bad but yeah how about this uh curveballs or sliders that's a that's a really good one. Curveballs. I would go curveballs. I love a big looping uh, knuckle curve. They're just like Dean Kramer's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a good. He's got a great one. Um, just like I mean, Clayton Kershaw's curveball is to me a work of art. That is sure. pitching in general to me is um, an art. Uh, and and seeing a big looping curveball that just comes in and just plops down right in the bottom of the zone. That's that's a work of art. I love sliders, but yeah, uh, I I love curveballs. I'd go I'd go that. Fantastic! I we are getting a lot of curveball runs. We've only had one yeah. sliders answer. That's a question we ask everybody over like the last. Oh really? So curveballs are hot right now. <laughs> I they're they're just beautiful when they're well executed. They're beautiful to watch. They're so much fun. No argument here. I love, yeah. I love them. Uh, Jose Barrios. Uh, oh there's so God, many. There's a lot of great curveballs yeah. out there. Um, crabbing or crab cakes? Oh man, I love crab cakes, but crabbing is so much fun. I would say crabbing. the The beauty of crabbing, I usually go once a, once or twice a year. Once a year, I have a, a friend whose mom lives right on a river, um, down in Deal, so Southern Maryland. If uh, if you know where that is, sure. and um. We will, uh, wow, really underrated band here, too. Canned Heat, sorry. <laughs> this whole album was incredible. Uh, also, got their guitarist from Tacoma, Maryland, another Marylander. Hey, uh, I did not know that. There yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, um, yeah, so crabbing, we'll get there at uh, my friend's mom's house at like six in the morning, five in the morning, right before sunrise. And then just being out on the boat in the water. It's just so peaceful, and I always I leave my phone at the house, so I'm just like so I can just kind of be there, be in the boat, be on the water, and um, there are a few experiences like it: seeing the sunrise over, and then um, catching crabs is fun. We usually do a trot line 
So you have this, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a, a line of rope with uh, chicken necks on it. And the crabs will, uh, you hook the line onto the boat and then you slowly go along and you have a net and you just snap up the uh, crabs that are hanging on the chicken necks and toss them in a basket. Um, and it's just, we have a handful of friends who will go and it's just so peaceful and relaxing and it's just, it's the best. And then we steam all the crabs and have crabs. It's great. I love it. That's beautiful, man. I love hearing that. that I yeah, missed the opportunity yeah. to ever go crabbing. I had a lot of crab when I was there, but I never actually got ah, to go crabbing. So it's still it's on a lot my of list. Fun. It's a lot of fun. It's you got to get up early in the morning, and that's tough for sure, <gasps> especially for someone like me. I'm I'm not an early morning guy, but I'm not get either. There, ben. We it. are not early yeah, risers. Yeah. <laughs> it's man. When you get there, though, it's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. Oh, finally. For love or money? For love or money? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to go for love there, obviously. Money is money is uh, nice, but, you know, it doesn't last. So definitely, definitely for love. Got to go with that. I feel like that you got to have a streak of answers with that, too. I can't imagine too many people are sitting there like, yeah, money. <laughs> Screw love. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. There's I'm sure a lot of different people out there. But I'm sure, I'm love sure. has overwhelmingly been the winner so far. We did have a money answer on our last show again, but that's hmm. usually the minority. There's been a lot of beautiful yeah. sentiments given and statements offered by people giving us a little bit of a soliloquy on love. It's very nice. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, you got to go. Yeah, I think you got to go for love. It's, uh, it's, it's what I think human beings are is the or are supposed to be is the physical embodiment of love there's a um there's a great teacher he uh died last year this guy named ramdas um who was a famous author of this book called sure. be here now um and he used to say that uh you would get to you you can kind of the enlightened individual gets to a point where they realize that all of the people around them are just souls and when you realize that that you're all just souls walking around in meat casings essentially then uh inherently you almost have to love that person even if you don't know them because they're just a soul like you they're all just a it's all this this sort of this oneness and connectedness so yeah i think yeah, I'm all for love. I like it. It's it's fun. I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> Count me a fan. Hey, I'm right there with you, Ben. I enjoy me some love myself. I couldn't live without yeah. it, probably. Yeah. And yeah. still trying to get more of it if I can. <laughs> here, listen to the hits. Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking with Ben Palmer here from Pitcher List. Ben knows a thing or two about baseball but he also knows a thing or two about life as he just dropped some knowledge on you and don't forget that you can follow ben on twitter at ben j palmer all right let's get into more of the fantasy focus here of the show it's fantasy breakdown time we're going to look at some adp conundrums here and we'll have our little adp song There it is. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's I like dumb. It. I so, like it. thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, a little riff there on the old Jackson Five. Our first ADP conundrum today is between one of your pals, Austin Hayes of the Baltimore Orioles, who I still yes. really, really like. Uh, I saw him play Love in him. Uh, Bowie um, when he was yeah, healthy. Same. Which, he was, yeah, yeah, he's great. Bowie Bay Sox are right there, not far. A stone's throw I've, from D.C., closer to, to D.C. than so Baltimore. Many, so. Yeah, I've been to so many Bowie Bay Sox games. Uh, they are, from where I grew up, um, their stadium's 15 minutes. So, uh, best fireworks show you will ever see is Bowie Bay Sox. <laughs> I'm not even yep. joking. They do fireworks on Friday, Saturday nights in the summer. It is the best fireworks show. It really is. And uh, it's a blast. Bowie Bay Sox games are fun. Minor league games are fun in general. They are. I love them. Of course they are. Minor leagues are yeah. great. That's why we need them. And I really, really hope that they're going to be there for us in 2021. Oh, same. Because same, the players yeah. need it too. They need the work. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Austin Hayes. Jesse Winker or AJ Pollock? There's ADP conundrum going on here. You could find these guys kind of mixed in, or you could wait on one of them for a little bit later on. Between the three, which would you rather have? Hayes, Winker, Pollock? That's a really, really tough one. Um, I think I would lean Winker. Uh, I've been a Jesse Winker fan for a while. I, I love me a guy who uh, walks more than he strikes out, and Winker is often that guy. Um, but what he did last year, I mean, again, you know, small sample size noted, uh, what he did last year, nobody in baseball had a bigger year to year, uh, increase in barrel rate from 2019 to 2020 than Jesse Winker. It jumped up from 4.3% in 2019 to 13 and a half percent in 2020. That's huge. Like 13 and a half percent. That's, uh, that's bigger than what Marcelo Zuna did in 2019. Just to give you context, um, I don't necessarily think the power is going to keep up. He had a forty percent home run to fly ball uh, rate last year. That's absurd. But to me, it is abundantly clear that Winker made a specific effort to hit for more power. He had a forty nine percent hard hit rate, which was top twenty in baseball last year. He still walks a lot. I think his BABIP will stabilize a little bit as his average kind of creeps up. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be great. Uh, he's in especially great in OBP leagues. Always has been, but especially yeah. now that he's hitting for more power. Uh, he had a 389 WOBA last year compared to a 383 X WOBA and a 454 uh, expected WOBACon, which is top 5% in the league yeah, last year. Just to give you context, League average Wobacon last year was 369. For anyone who doesn't know, that's Woba weighted on base average on contact. So last year, league average was 369. Year before that was 378. His last year was 454. That's nuts. So I think, yeah. So he's clearly hitting for more power. Um, and he still has great plate discipline. If he's getting consistent playing time, and obviously that is often the question, um, but I don't know how they don't give him consistent playing time after what he did last year. Um, so yeah, I like, I like him a lot. Uh, there's obviously, you know, the reason the playing time question is there is because, you know, they've also got, uh, Aristides Aquino, uh, who I'm sure, you know, who looked good uh, two years ago. They've got Nick Remember Frenzel. that? 2019? That was fun. Oh, man. I loved him, too. Um, yeah. 
but uh, Nick Sensel is there too, and then obviously we got Cassiano, Shogo Akiyama. Um, so you know they have a lot of outfielders there. So we'll see, but I don't see how they don't work Winker into the lineup all the time. So uh, yeah, I would I would probably I would probably lean Winker there. I like him a lot. I do love Hayes though. Uh, I think I think Hayes Hayes' ceiling is Yasiel Puig basically. With uh, with a little bit less power, maybe I don't know if he's going to get like the twenty five home runs that Puig would get, but I think uh, yeah, I think Hayes' ceiling is a guy who's going to hit with a really good average, hit like twenty home runs, steal like double digit bases. Uh, so I do like that, but obviously that's his ceiling. So right, you know, who knows? There's a bit of risk built in there. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Since yeah, yeah, Jan- yeah I would go since Winker. January 18th, Jesse Winker has a 208 ADP on NFBC, and Austin Hayes is at 230. And the value there, wow. as just described by yourself, seems pretty pretty stark. So I think you just really kind of sold me on that. 205 for Winker. I'm looking at NFBC ADP right now. He's going after he's going after Andrew McCutcheon and Leody Tavares and Schwarber. And Victor Reyes, he's going after <laughs> Randall Grichuk. Oh my god! I like Victor Reyes, but yeah, I don't like. Yeah, Grichuk. Victor Reyes is fine. Yeah, but I mean, like, man, I would take Winker over every single one of those guys without hesitation. Because, uh, like, it is. I, I mean, I get, I get the, I get the playing time concerns, but I just don't see after what he did last year. I don't see how they how, if you, the Reds would have to be stupid to sit there and be like, yeah, but what about Nick Sensel? You know. Just, <laughs> yeah i yeah i i would definitely take him or hayes hayes i get the adp because of the risk because we've seen he can be really bad um but he's gonna get every day at bats you know that orioles roster is a whole bunch of like no one <laughs> trey mancini <laughs> uh and nobody else so and anthony santander if he stays on the team but um he used to say yeah yeah who knows he's got an arbitration thing coming up wouldn't shock me if they trade him because he's gotten some interest. Uh, but yeah. There's already Hazel been rumblings. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hazel Hazel get uh playing time. But uh yeah, I would yeah, Winker's great. That's a great value. I'll probably be snatching up in every league I've got. <laughs> Hell yeah, there it is. Right from Ben Palmer's mouth. You're listening to the Hazel Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Utah. Give me We're two talking. ADP conundrums. Next one I have for you is a second base oriented one. It's John Bertie, Bertie from Miami Marlins, Garrett Hampson of the infamous Colorado Rockies. Of course, we know how they handle their roster construction and Mauricio Dubon of the San Francisco Giants. Between those three, Bertie, Hampson and Dubon, which would you rather have? Yeah, I don't I don't super love any of them, but oh, um... so you prefer a fourth option then? Well, so here's the thing. I would say of the three, it's going to depend on how your roster is constructed. If at that point in the draft you really need speed, um, I would go uh, uh, Bertie. Bertie, is that how you pronounce I was always calling him Bertie. Yeah, uh, you know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. So uh, I would go uh, Bertie uh, because he's going to give you – you know, 20 plus steals, I think, uh, not going to give you much, any, any power average is going to be like two forties, two fifties. 
So if you're looking, I mean, obviously this is late in drafts. I don't even remember what his ADP is right now. 250. Yeah. So you're talking like the 25th, 26th round right at the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, if you need speed Bertie, if not, the thing with like Hampson, we like, there is potential there. Uh, it's just, you know, do you want to get hurt again by the Rockies? <laughs> <laughs> like, so much pain, question. so much pain. So I would probably go Bertie or in a vacuum, you know, Dubon is pretty safe. He seems like a like a 15-15 guy, home run stolen base with like a 260s average. It's kind of boring, but safe. You know, in a deep league, that's a decent little middle infielder bench guy. Yes. So so um yeah, I would I would you know, uh I'd go Dubon, but um if yeah, if you're drafting and you really need the steals, I'd go pretty. Since January 18th, NFBC ADP has these three really clumped together. In fact, Hampson and Bertie are 261 apiece. Dubon down at 275. Again, that's since January 18th on NFBC ADP. Last one here. My pal, my man, my Detroit Tiger, Spencer Turnbull, TJ Antone of the Cincinnati Reds. Or Freddie Peralta, Turnbull, Antone, or Peralta. I am a huge Spencer Turnbull fan. Uh, I know you are. Have <laughs> <laughs> been for a while now. I did a bit, a uh, real big piece on him last year. Um, I, I, I like him a lot. He added a, a decent bit of spin on all of his pitches last year, especially his fastball. Um, he tweaked his uh, changeup a good bit. He added over three hundred RPM of spin to the changeup and two inches of vertical drop and started using it more than his curveball, which is not that great of a pitch. Uh, one of the things I mentioned in the piece that I wrote on him last year is he started elevating his fastballs more, which I really like. He was kind of going for um, what Nick at Pitchless calls the Blake Snell blueprint, which is fastballs high, breaking balls low. Um, his slider was really good, had almost a 40% chase rate and 19.5% uh, swinging strike rate, so that's a really, really good pitch. Both his fastball and his sinker were really solid, um, You know, just kind of induced weak contact. Uh, there's a guy, uh, a guy who writes for uh, Bless You Boys, mm. uh, Brandon, Brandon Day. Brandon Day. Yeah. Brandon had a really, really, really good piece on Spencer Turnbull and how he utilizes a seam-shifted wake on his sinker uh which is which is really cool i would really recommend looking into that uh brandon has one of the one of the best pieces i've read explaining seam shifted wake uh it's great and uh yeah i i like the way turnbull turnbull has a really interesting approach like i just like what he's doing with his repertoire he's very clearly thinking about his repertoire uh something uh nick's always said that i fully agree with is there's usually two types of pitchers there's throwers and there's pitchers there there are throwers who just kind of like i don't know i chuck it 100 and i throw it and then there are pitchers who take a very thoughtful analytical approach to the way they pitch and i think turnbull's more of a pitcher he uh hit for great example his two-seam fastball and his four-seam fastball have almost the exact same spin axis, but his two-seam goes in a completely different direction. This is in Brandon's piece. Two-seam goes in a whole other direction, which makes it really hard uh, to pick up on. 
So that's really, I think that's really cool. And that mixed in, you know, solid fastballs, a foundation mixed in with a really good slider and a new changeup that's pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. Not a single pitch of it last year. Not a single pitch of his, except for his curveball, which he barely threw, had a WOBA against higher than 322. Wow. So, which is great. I mean, that's a lot of weak contact. So I'm still a big Turnbull fan. I, I really think he's going to eventually take a step forward to be a really, really solid pitcher. So I would probably go with him. Um, but the other I two agree. guys in that in that conundrum are uh, really interesting. TJ Antone's really interesting pitcher, but I just have no idea how he's going to pitch in that rotation. I mean, you know, you've got Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Tyler, Tyler Molle, Wade Miley, Michael Lorenzen. I don't know how Antone fits in. Uh, he's got some interesting stuff. Got a really nice slider um, that he has a little bit of trouble commanding, but it's a good slider. And um, and Peralta's cool too. He's got a fantastic fastball. Uh, that his fastball last year had a fourteen and a half percent swinging strike rate, which is absurd for a fastball. <laughs> That's not you don't yeah. usually get that many whiffs on a fastball. Um, but you know, yeah, the rest of his repertoire is solid. He's got a decent slider. Uh, but yeah, I would I would go definitely. Um, but Ben, why do you boy. why do you think that is that he's able to get that type of rate on a fastball? What would be the possibility for that? Without I mean, without researching it right now, which we didn't do. <laughs> No, that's a great question. I would say spin rate would be my guess. I I would not be shocked if I if I looked up Peralta right now to see that he's got a nice spin rate on his um fastball that makes it deceptive and and a, and I think something that's often underrated is uh pitch sequencing. So yeah, he's in the 80th percentile in fastball spin. That does not shock me at all. Uh, he's got a nice high spin fastball, which makes it difficult to pick up on. And I'm looking at his spin axis, and yeah, he uh, he mirrors his uh, four seamer and his curveball pretty decently, which is nice. So yeah, I think it's I think it's probably a mix of that um, that makes it difficult to pick up on that fastball. Um, yeah, that would be my guess, but still 14, I mean, you know, 14 and a half percent. I, I can't say, you know, we can guarantee that he's going to have a swinging strike rate like that next year or this year, but still that just speaks to the quality of his fastball. It's a really good fastball. And while I'm not somebody who necessarily believes you need a great fastball to be a great pitcher, I think there are guys who can work with a great breaker as their primary pitch. Uh, having a great fastball is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so and he definitely has yeah. one. Doesn't hurt. Does not yeah, hurt the repertoire at, at all. I, I believe all. in a lot of things you just said there with pitch mix, pitch sequencing is very important. Mm -hmm. And the more pitchers that are pitchers, the art of pitching is very important to being an elite pitcher. You can throw it a lot, but in the end, you gotta have the cerebral part of it where you can put it all together to have long lasting impact. And that's yeah, it's very thoughtful. Yeah, the, that's the other question. Oh, thank you. Uh, the other question really with Peralta is similar to Antone is, does he have a spot in the rotation? Because that rotation right now, you're probably looking at Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burnus, uh, Josh Lindblom, uh, Adrian Hauser, and then I guess probably Eric Lauer. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> does Peralta have a spot? Does he supplant Lauer? I 
that's I can see now there's nothing. So there is concern there, but with with Turnbull, he has a spot. Like it's happening for sure. So <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, that's that's yeah, it's a safer that play. A handful of other things. Yeah, for sure. I that's I'm I'm a huge fan of his. So that that would be why I love him. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Ben. There it is. The ADP conundrums are in the books. ADP is Kyle Tucker, top 30. Should I pitch out with Mondesi? Max Muncy, should I wait on closers or draft Ryan Presley? You're listening to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking with Ben Palmer. We're breaking down pitching. We're focusing more on pitching on this episode because that's what Ben knows. Ben is... You know, he works a pitcher list, and he looks at fantasy baseball from his perspective, but pitching seems to be something I respect about him when it comes to analysis. And I remember the first article I read by you was the nastiest pitches of 2018, I think it was. Uh, oh, was it the most chased pitches uh, yeah. article? Yeah. yeah Anibal doing, Sanchez I, was in the mix, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was a big, <laughs> I was a big Anibal fan. Uh, Nick was not. Uh, and I think Nick ended up being kind of right on that, which he, he had a good defense of it. I just, it was more like, it was like, uh, Annabelle had a new cutter that was incredible and he really needed to keep that cutter up and he kind of did into the next year, but, but yeah, no, every year for the past three years now, my third one came out about a week or two ago. Oh, it did. Right. Oh, I got to read yeah, that about a week ASAP. Ago. Yeah, yeah. About a week ago. So there's some interesting names on there. One of my favorite names on there, Alex Cobb had the third most chased pitch in baseball last year with his uh, split change. Uh, but Amazing. yeah, um, there's a lot of, I, I've been doing a lot of the, what I call pitch review series, which isn't like an official name, but I look at the most chased pitches. I look at under the radar money pitches. So uh, what we call a money pitch, which is a pitch that had a 40% or higher chase rate. 40% or higher zone rate and a uh, 15% or higher swinging strike rate. So basically a pitch that is controlled in the zone gets a lot of chases, but also gets a lot of whiffs. So it's a, it's a really good quality pitch. Um, we, uh, Nick kind of qualifies those as money pitches. And so I, I'll look at um, some guys who threw money pitches last year who you might not expect. Like, you know, we all expect Max Scherzer throws a money pitch, Clayton, Kurt, you sure. know, we all know they do, but there are guys like, um, Who's uh, Zach Plezak threw a money pitch last year, or uh, Stephen Matz threw a money pitch last? You know stuff like that, where you're like, oh, I'm kind of surprised that they threw one. <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> is uh, last year, and last year and the year before, Tommy Malone again, his changeup uh, yeah. was a money pitch. So I usually do that, and then I look at the top five of each pitch type uh, every year. So yeah, it's always a fun series to do. It's great. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, we have a question here from the Riot326. He says, speaking of crazy spin rate, what do you guys think about Lucas Sims? Elite curveball spin rate. Well, that's a name have. we didn't mention when you were talking about uh, the Reds rotation, but because there's been talk that Lucas Sims will be a closer or in a relief role as well. But uh, what's yeah. your thoughts there? Yeah, so, yeah, his role is definitely a question because, you know, is it Sims? Is it Amir Garrett? Or they just signed Sean Doolittle. They did. That's so. Does Sean Doolittle? I mean, I love I love Doolittle as a person, but he you know, yeah, he's not of course, he's close, an awesome he, dude. Yeah, great guy. But the Nats left him for dead, and they need bullpen oh, yeah. help still. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh he's not that great of a closer, but also you know, do you get one of those managers who's like, oh, he's the guy, he's done it before, 
which <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. But you get, you know, you get a lot of those managers like, oh, he's the guy, he's done it before, he's our closer. Um, Sims is super interesting. Uh, he's got, he's got some really nice pitches. Uh, yeah, like like you mentioned, uh, great curveball spin rate in his curveball last year had um, his best swinging strike rate is almost sixteen percent. Uh, year before last, I mean, man, I'm looking at his pitch repertoire. Year before last. Every pitch he threw had a swinging strike rate in the double digits. Wow. His fastball had 11.3, slider was at 20, uh, changeup was at 23.8, and curveball was at 15.5. Like that's, that's really solid. That's a lot of whiffs. And every single pitch he had had a chase rate over 30%, which is really solid. That's a, that's a deceiving pitcher. His curve <laughs> spin, he is in the 100th percentile in curve spin. That's that wow. is a high. Holy cow! I didn't even realize. I I knew of Lucas Sims. Mine's being blown. His curveball spin rates three thousand three hundred thirty four RPMs. That's absurd. That sounds good. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, wow. His slider is so weird. I'm looking at his um his spin axis, and his spin based movement. And his observed movement on his slider are polar opposites. That's insane. That that makes well, that's what does that so mean? hard. So what that means basically is so spin-based movement is um when you throw the pitch, the amount of spin on the pitch, this is what it should do, uh, based on the spin of it. The right. observed movement is this is what it did do. So this is where you get into like like seam shifted wake, for example. So uh, okay. you know, you'll see a sinker, for example. Someone throws a sinker, and based on the spin of it, it should make this movement. But because of the way they spin it and the rate they spin it at, um, the uh, and there are people who can explain this better than I can, but seam shifted wake basically <laughs> says the seams on the baseball cause uh, movement on the baseball. So you're spinning. Uh, you know, Bauer did this uh, a while back. You throw a sinker that spins so much that there's a, a smooth side that always stays in one place, and the seams are another place, and it kind of pushes the pitch because of the air resistance pushes the pitch in a way that it kind of technically shouldn't go in theory. Ah, okay. So, uh, so that's that's kind of this isn't. I don't think this is an example of seam shift awake the way that um, his slider works, but sure. But it's slightly dark. I, I'll have to. I'm curious. I'll have to talk to uh, a couple guys about this because I'm curious why this happens. Because his curveball looks like it should, and his you know fastball looks like it should, and they uh, get great spin. But his slider, they're polar opposites. His slider comes in spin based movements around two o'clock. Is observed uh, if you think of it as a clock. Uh, uh, spin base is like two o'clock, and observed is like eight o'clock. They're exact polar opposites, which is which means when you're a hitter. And you're looking at it. You're looking at the spin. The spin you see, it is doing. The pitch is doing the opposite of what it should do by your by the uh, eye test. Okay. So that would explain that's why that up. slider. That yeah, I mean that would screw with hitters so hard. Um. So that's that's really interesting. Uh. Yeah. No wonder he had such a high strikeout rate. Thirty three percent strikeout rate last year. That makes sense. He. You know what? Looking at him, he really strikes me as like 
a closer type. Like that looks like a really, really good closer. The question just kind of is, you know, do they do they put him in the closer role? Do they throw Doolittle out there, or do they throw Amir Garrett out there, who's well, that's some saved of the one talk. game that's his what entire saying. career? I mean, Amir Garrett's yeah. got great strikeout stuff too. But, uh, but yeah, Sims is fascinating. He blows That's up sometimes. Really, Sims, yeah. Really Sims interesting real pitcher. Deal. Holy cow. His, his stat cast profile is absurd. We got it. I mean, it was a small sample yeah. size. It was only 25 innings. You know, 34Ks in 25 yeah. innings. It's a nice yeah. nice little effort in 20 games. It looks good on paper. If he's going to be a closer and a reliever, then yeah, we don't have to worry about this uh, small sample size. Because he's going to be pitching in small doses, anyways. So I, yeah, I see the potential. And I see the excitement, but you know, it's yeah. He's he's really interesting. He, I feel like if he's given the role, that could be. He looks like a really good strikeout guy. It's just going to come down to commanding it. He's got the pitches. It looks like he's got you know the spin rate and the strikeout with pitches. It's just going to come down to can he command those pitches? Can he throw them for strikes one? And can he not throw them down the middle of the plate? Which is, you know, the big two steps that that take you to being an elite pitcher. Because there are so many pitchers who have great stuff and then they accidentally throw them down the middle of the plate and they get destroyed. So that's <laughs> right. going to be the question. But so far, it looks like Sims has been able to do that. And the guy's only 26, so plenty of time to develop. But yeah. I, I would I would really like him as a closer if he just if I knew for sure he had the role, but I just I can just see it like Doolittle getting some saves and Garrett getting some saves and just all over the place. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good question though. That's uh Joey Ricotta. Joey, thanks for asking that question. That great question. <laughs> That's a great question. I'll have to look a lot more into him. And I kinda there's some people I want to ask about why his slider does what he does, because I've never seen that before. Great. Well, look at that. Now we might have a new piece that you'll be coming out with down the road. Maybe. Who say. knows? Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> then write to PitcherList, so don't forget PitcherList.com. That's right. Okay. Let's go into the next little area we were going to do. This is I Won't Do That, Pitcher Edition. You're making a case against a pitcher that you don't plan to take. I won't do that. And, of course, you know how I do things here. There's a song. So here we go. I would do anything for an ace. I'd sacrifice my first five picks. I would do That's good some... stuff. That's good. So, <laughs> you, I love Meatloaf's great. I love Meatloaf so much. I love, I love Jim Steinman's song. So, it's so funny. You can tell a Jim Steinman song, uh, the guy who wrote all of Meatloaf's uh, songs, 
You can oh. tell a Jim Steinman song. He wrote a handful of other songs that were very popular. You can tell by if you listen to the song and you think you think of Meatloaf singing it, and you're like, oh yeah, that, like so. Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. That's a Jim Steinman um, song. That's a Jim Steinman song. And if you listen to Total Eclipse, you're like, oh yeah, I can hear that. Um, and then um, Making Love Out of Nothing at All by uh, Air Supply. <laughs> yes. Uh, is also a Jim Steinman song, and if I you see exactly that, what you're you know, going at here. I've seen like, it. Oh, I'm yeah, it. I hear, I hear Meatloaf singing that. So yeah, <laughs> I love Jim Steinman. He's great. Great call. That is a great call. I forgot about him. I actually knew his name. I hadn't thought about him in years. I read an article about him and Bonnie Tyler and doing that whole mm-hmm. song and how he didn't yeah. really want her to be the one to do it, but it ended up going. He that offered, way yeah, he offered that song and making love out of nothing at all to Meatloaf, and Meatloaf was like, mm, pass. Which was the dumbest thing. That was very <laughs> dumb meatloaf. What are you thinking, Robert wrote, Paulson? Uh, he also wrote uh what was that big Celine Dion song that was like nine minutes long? Um oh definitely a song I've never heard. If it's a nine minutes no, long it and was, it's Celine uh, Dion, uh, I've not heard it. <laughs> oh my my wife's a huge Celine Dion fan. So oh, uh I have heard uh she she you know, she likes Celine Dion a lot. And it was all coming um, back to me now. It's all coming back to me now. Thank you. That is also Jim Steinman. I've never heard that. Now I have something else to do. It's actually, it's a great tune. It's a great tune. So I won't do that. I would do anything, but I won't do that. Give me a picture that you don't plan to take this year. You're trying to avoid. Um, so I'm going to preface this by giving a a small group of pictures that I'm not going to end up drafting. And that's Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom and Shane Bieber. And that's only because I never take a picture in the first round. I get the people who do it and that's cool. Great. Go for it. I just never do it just because in my opinion, there is so much pitching depth that I would rather get a hitter in the first round. But aside from that, there's a couple guys. Um, Josh Hader. That's a minority opinion, by the way, Ben. People oh, don't I think know there's a lot of pitching depth at all. I know. I I I agree. I, I totally understand that. Uh, and that's fine. If you want to grab an ace in the first round, totally understand. I usually grab an ace around the second or third, a personal team ace around the second mm-hmm. or third round. But there's just so much offensive value in the first round that I have uh, I have trouble passing it up. Uh, but that's just me personally. That's just my personal strategy and everybody do your own thing. You know, I totally get it. I've seen people do the pocket aces strategy where you go ace in round one and two. That makes me a little nervous. <laughs> but, but event in the same token though, isn't there offense that could be replaced just as easily as what you're getting in the first round later? Like same for the same that's purposes. Fair. I am. Or not. I no, I mean I'll, I'll listen to no, you. No, I'm no, just no. I, curious about this because this is very <laughs> This is very minority opinion. In the big-time leagues and all the sharks and all mm. the high stakes that I've seen early on, pitching went like crazy. It just went, blah, 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 blah. starters flying out the door. Yeah, no, I and I get that. And I think, I think that's fine, and I get the argument for it. And honestly, if I found myself at the end of a 14-team draft, maybe I would be grabbing an ace at the end of round one, just depending on who's out there but if i'm you know the the guys the really like top guys uh you, you know you're talking about let's see who's the top pitcher going right now uh that would be it's still it's generally it's cole, cole, or cole see that's the thing so garrett cole at six he's going right after trout at five which 
you know, if if I'm picking between the two of them, it's Trout without hesitation. He's going ahead of Trey Turner and ahead of Jose Ramirez, Trevor Story. I'd have to really think about it. I'd, I'd probably kind of lean you know, Ramirez, I don't know, but I'd probably lean Story or Yelich or Freeman over grabbing an ace like Cole or DeGrom or B. But there's just so... There's also so much volatility in pitching. Yes. Uh, sure there is. That, there is. that isn't, I mean, there is volatility in hitting, but I feel like there's more there's volatility more in things. A pitcher could be gone for the year yeah, with an arm and, injury and forever. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, and I tend to be a more risk averse player. Uh, but okay. I, like I said, if I'm at the tail end of a first round uh, draft in a bigger league, I would totally get, I could see myself getting. Someone like Degrom, if he fell down to like the tenth or twelfth pick or something like that, I could see it. But <laughs> okay, all right. So any, anyways, right, so you were uh, saying aside from a group that, aside of pitchers that, that you would, yeah, not that's take. just that's just me personally. I, aside from that, guys who I really just would not take their ADP. Josh Hader is at like pick fifty eight. I never will pay for saves like that. I just I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> saves are so volatile and. Yeah. Um, Alex Fast had a great article last year, two years ago, about saves and how saves are, how managers are utilizing bullpens differently in a way that like saves are just kind of all over the map now. So, yes. I, you know, in the sixth, seventh round, I'm not paying for saves that high. I, I, I almost, I, ne- I don't draft a closer usually till the ninth or tenth round, honestly. The the way the way I know to draft a closer, this is a strategy that uh, Nick actually taught me, and I love it and I use it. When you know it's time to draft a closer, is when you're looking at the guys available and you're like, I don't really like him. I don't know. I kind he's okay. I don't know how I feel about that guy. That's when you draft a closer. When you and inevitably in every draft I've ever done, there's a round where I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about any of these guys who are, you know, available. I feel like I could wait on some of these guys or I don't know if I want to. That's when I draft a closer. So okay. uh, someone like Hater, I'm not going to pay for. And um, the last one I'll mention is uh, Jose Barrios. I love watching Barrios, but he is at, uh, what's his ADP? ADP is 80. Oh, he's around 70. 85 right now so he's yeah so he's like he's being drafted as like a borderline top 30 starting pitcher and i just i don't know i love him and but he's got a really pretty curveball but that curveball last year last year it was not the wipeout pitch that it should have been it had just a 30 percent chase rate 14.3 percent swinging strike rate which is fine but you know, his best ever chase rate on that curveball was 34.4%. And last year, his fastball got absolutely lit up. Had a 30, 333 ISO against it. So I just, I feel like every single year we're like, this is when Jose Barrios becomes an ace. And I think <laughs> at some point, you kind of have to accept that maybe Jose Barrios isn't going to be an ace yet. I mean, maybe he will one day. He's still young enough. He could do it. And I, I love watching him, but I just, he worries me, and I, I don't know if I can draft him as a top 30-ish, top 35 starting pitcher. I know it's kind of yeah. probably splitting hairs, but there's guys no, I would no. rather have around there. Yeah. Um, I respect oh, that. and then one other one, Jack Flaherty. He's being drafted a little too high, in my opinion. 
That's a uh, guy that a, I also have on my list. Yeah. I, I said that it was more specifically, I'm not going to draft him around pick 30 or my 11th mm -hmm. SP off the board. I won't do it. It's just got to yeah. be late. I, I don't trust it enough. I need to see more from him. He's shown potential, yes. and he's given us yes. incredible stats. He strikes out at a high rate, and he's got that second half of 2019 that he can hang his head on, which was yeah. outstanding, like a 1.199 ERA in the second half. But yeah, I need to see a little bit more. I agree. I think he I think he will get better this year. Um and I think it's entirely possible he goes back to being an incredible pitcher. I just uh it's a little too risky that high. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm with you. I think those I like Jose Barrios though. I actually think before I wasn't sure how the season was going to play out. I was looking at more innings eaters and I thought Barrios's value would go up because of that, but now I know we're going to have a full season and I think there's going to be a level playing field in terms of the innings pitch for the most part. Like I, I don't think there's going to be a bunch of guys who are going to be up around 190 ish. And then they're only going yeah. to be like, like seven or eight of them. Like, I just think that there's going to be more balance in terms of the innings that'll be thrown, yeah. especially if the guys have shown that they are the workhorses in the past. And Barrios is one of those guys, but I also think there's a myth about him that he's not, He's done. Like we've already seen what we've seen from him. It's the best oh, yeah, no, that we're gonna I definitely get. Would not say that. He's yeah. still only twenty six. I mean, he came up yes, very young. Yes, absolutely. I I I want him to be really good. I think he still can be really good. It's it's easy to forget that he came up really young. Like when he came yeah, up, he was, was twenty one. Yeah, he was super young. Um. So yeah, I I would not I definitely don't like give up on him. I just don't think I can just. I need to see more from him before I'm willing to say, like, he's a top 30 starting pitcher. Yeah, the uh, problem is, is that the FIP yeah. has ended up matching his ERA. If if anything, it's been a little bit higher. So it's not like he's getting yeah. unlucky or anything either. I'm I'm a little concerned about that, I get, I would say. Yeah, I, when you look, I mean, I think he's going to be a guy who's, you know, 25-ish percent strikeout rate and a 3-9 ERA or higher, which is fine. Double-digit wins you know? if you're playing a wins league. Yeah. So. Yeah, he, he's fine, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would pay for him just yet. Uh, but, yeah, I do think he has the potential. All right, that makes sense to me, man. Those are some great arguments and good pieces of information from Ben Palmer. Ben Palmer knows Thank pitching. Uh, one thing, one other guy I want to mention real quick, uh, Lance Lynn. What do you, how are you feeling about Lance Lynn? He's been coming off the board as, boy, I think the 17th overall pitcher. Yeah, 17th overall in terms of starting pitchers. Now, it's not like he's top 10 or even 15, but Lance Lynn is around Blake Snell, Kenta Maeda, and Tyler Glass now, Corbin Burns. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I have never been the biggest Lance Lynn fan for whatever, and I think it's just because... Neither am I, but we're all missing out on the production. I know, no, I know. I, he's just, he's never been all that exciting <laughs> to me. No, he's not exciting. He's but, not. Um, but, you know, there's a place for the not exciting guys. I was a big uh, proponent for a long time of uh, Dustin Pedroia for a long time because he was never exciting, but he was always productive. Right. So, and I feel like Lance Lynn's kind of that way. I think Lynn's like a top 20 starting pitcher. I would rather have someone like Snell or Glasnow um, okay. ahead of him. Just, I think the ceiling's a little bit higher. What about Burns? Uh, Is that more risky? I like Burns a lot. That's that is riskier though. I would probably go Lynn. Okay. Um, 
But we I love the, get yeah, it. Burns' potential is great. We love oh, what he yeah. offers, but absolutely, I I get it. If you, if you want to go Burns, I get it. But you know, you look at stuff like so. You know, 2019 for Lynn was awesome. Uh, three six seven ERA, three eight three Sierra, which is really nice. Twenty eight point one percent strikeout rate, best of his career since his rookie year. And then twenty twenty. 3-3-2 ERA that came with a 4-1-9 FIP, so you don't love that. 4-0-8 Sierra, 25.9% uh, strikeout rate, so that dropped a little bit. Walk rate uh, increased, it, increased a tiny bit. Not enough that I'm super concerned about it. So home run fly ball rate really jumped up to 13.8%, uh, which will probably come down a little bit. So I don't know. He worries me a, a little bit. But yeah, I, I still think he's probably around top twenty, top twenty-five starting pitcher range. Uh, so yeah, I I get him around there. I, I think okay. I'm probably not going to draft him personally, but I get it if you do. There it is. I won't do that. We do a lot of things <laughs> for certain pitchers, but we won't do that. That was some players that you can take and do as you please with based on Ben's advice. You know, he's not telling you what to do. He's just giving you an opinion. <laughs> and that's why we have Ben on. And that's right. Ben knows that better than anybody. So do what you will. All right. We got one more segment here on this. I want to focus on 2019 or 2020. Which one are you focusing on? Because 2019 and 2020, oh boy, you know the story. 2020 was a bozo yeah, season yeah. and we had a short sample size, 60 games, yada, yada, yada. And now we are in 2021. Being an analyst has never been harder because we just don't know what to expect. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. tell me about it. People are cherry picking. Hey, I'll take, I'm focusing on what he did in 2019, not what he did in 2020. And right. that's why I thought right. this would be a, an interesting segment to do. It's a new segment we're trying out. And mm -hmm. of course, of course, we have a song. Now, I made this one especially Actually. for you, Ben, oh, because you were on thank the show. You. So here it is. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this one's gonna go, but uh, I'll we'll like find this one. out, right? Yeah, get ready. Twenty twenty screwed us good. Sixty games of nothing. First time ever to start in this business. Sitting cross legged on the floor. No, I'm here. Singing like Peter Cetera is hard. It's not easy. Can you hear me? Sorry, my, my internet dropped out for a second. <laughs> yeah, you're still here. You never I, left us as far I, as we're concerned. I got you. So. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I like that. That was good. That was good. <laughs> I was saying, singing like Peter Cetera is very hard. It's Dude. not easy to do. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I went out of my nice. range on that song. I admit that freely, but I didn't he's, care. He's ridiculous. <laughs> his voice is nuts. He's a douchebag, but his voice is nuts. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Good. We'll leave it at that. I'm glad you yeah. agreed with that. That tells me all I need to know about you, Ben. Okay, so 2019 or 2020, we don't know what to do. We're confused. 
Is there a player that you're throwing one out for the other? Yeah. Can you tell us why? Yeah, there's actually three of them that I can think of off the top of my head. So John Means is the first one that pops in my head. I love John Means so much. Um, Last year, among starting pitchers, John Means had the second highest velocity gain on his fastball. His fastball jumped up from 91.7 miles an hour on average in 2019 to 93.8 last year. He also added almost 100 RPMs to it, giving him a fastball with a spin rate in the 87th percentile of baseball. So he was, and his last, what was it, last five starts of the, so 2020 was really rough on means. Uh, specifically because his his dad got sick and died during the season. Oh, wow. Yeah, his dad was very sick, and his dad died uh, during the season, and he went on the bereavement list. And when he came back from the bereavement list, from there to the end of the season, it's only like five or six starts, 1.52 ERA, 2.75 Sierra, 34.5% K rate, 3.5% walk rate, and a 32.1% CSW. The guy was dominant, absolutely dominant. Um, I think I don't, you know, I don't think he's that good, but <laughs> I do think I do honestly believe that um, what happened with his dad had an impact on him on the field. I, I can't imagine going out there and pitching while your dad is sick to the point of you know dying. Uh, it's it's got to be yeah, awful. It's a human being. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I, I personally kind of think that had an impact. He clearly means clearly tweaked his repertoire with the increase in spin rate on his fastball and the increase in velocity. Only Drew Smiley had a higher velocity gain on his fastball uh, last year, who I also really like. Um, really? So oh, yeah, right. yeah. Drew Smiley had the highest velocity gain uh, among yeah, uh, yeah. starting okay. pitchers. All right, so, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm a Tigers also, fan, so I watched Drew Smiley waste away. He never became what we thought he would become, so I know, I'm always going to be know. skeptical. But you can't let emotion get in the way of your analysis, so I understand. Yeah, the other thing with Means is he had the largest difference between home runs and expected home runs in baseball. So I think that he just got – there were a whole bunch of home runs that got hit against Means that just would not have been hit out in other parks that were just kind of bad luck home runs. So I think he's due for a lot of positive regression, and he's getting, I mean, his ADP right now, 208, like, that's, you know, almost free, basically. I'm all yeah, about Yeah, he's around him. the he's, Andrew Haney. I've had a yep. couple issues with when I'm drafting where I was like, oh, should I take John Means, Andrew Haney, or Tony Gonsolin? I actually went with Gonsolin at the those time. Those are all tough, yeah. So. Those, are all, those are all tough. I think Gonsolin drops a bit now because of Bauer. Yeah. I wish um, I would have took means now after the fact, but hey, yeah, that's that's a risky take when you draft in January. So yep. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, means like he's gonna get the innings. He's got a a good strikeout pitch in his changeup, solid curveball. He's got this amped up fastball. So if that velocity keeps up next year, I'm all about him. I I'm a big fan. Um, another guy who I'll take 2019 over 2020 on is Yohan Mankata. Yes. Uh, Yohan yeah. Mankata was awful last year but he was also dealing with covid (laughs) like he had covid and even said he literally said in an interview in september that his body didn't feel he had no energy no strength he felt horrible all season 
saw the biggest drop in hard hit rate year to year in baseball. So I'm I'm personally willing to throw out 2020 for Yohan Mankata entirely. Like just not love even it. think about it. I love that. Yeah, I'm not even considering it. The guy was miserable. His body was just not working right. Um, but there is one guy who I will take a little bit of stock in 2020 over 2019, and that's Yaimar Candelario. Oh, um, my tiger. I did. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always really liked Candelario, but he's never really put it together um, until last year. He had a nice little breakout last year. Uh, he, he hit, uh, so like 2019, the guy slashes 204, 306, Horrible, horrible year. He was awful in just, 2019. God awful. And he was really bad in 2018, too. And then in 2020, in 52 games, he slashes 297, 369, 503. You pace out his season to a full season. You're looking at a guy who hits 20 plus home runs and goes, you know, 80 80 in our runs and RBIs. So that's like, you know, Hunter Dozier in 2019 or Nick Castellanos in 2018. Um, so I, I did a piece on Candelario, Candelario on Pitcher List. Uh, and basically, what Candelario did was he made a pretty specific change in approach. Um, he started, uh, he just started hitting the ball a lot harder. It's 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 as simple as that. His barrel rate jumped up to ten point three percent, up from five point nine in twenty nineteen, and his hard hit rate jumped all the way up to forty seven point one percent, up from thirty three point eight percent in twenty nineteen. So, and he there are some quotes from him where he specifically said he he started um, having a more, I guess, a more focused approach to the plate. Uh, his 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 swing doesn't look all that different, but um, it's a uh, he 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 focused more on hitting line drives, putting a lot more effort in barreling the ball. So the thing the thing the takeaway for for me from that is he knows something is wrong with his approach, and he's making an effort to change it, and that's great. I think that that's that's a great he knows. He needs to make tweaks similar to that pitcher thrower difference. Same with a hitter. Their guys are just swinging and swinging. Chris Davis is just swinging the ball over and swinging at the ball over and over again, hoping uh, the same thing produces different results. And it's not. Hey, Chris Davis or the Orioles? No, no. Orioles, Chris Davis, the bane of Uh, my existence. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Like roughly 25% of the Orioles payroll this year. Um, (laughs) We will be paying him. Until <laughs> we'll be paying him until like five years after Bryce Harper's contract is over with the Phillies. Um, so anyways, so there are those guys who are just swinging and swinging and nothing's working. And then there are the guys who are making tweaks, to their approach and Candelario is doing that. Um, I'm a slight bit concerned because one of the huge jumps that Candelario had was in um, meatball swinging percentage. Huh. So a meatball, according to Statcast, is a is essentially is is a middle middle pitch. It's a mistake pitch, and he uh, he had an increase in his meatball swing rate from sixty one point one percent in twenty nineteen to eighty seven point two percent. Now, uh, his actual meatball rate, like the rate that he hit, was roughly the same as years past. But what that speaks to is uh, in the context of his other his swinging rates in the zone. He's more aggressive at the plate. That's another focus that he had last year. He 
decided to uh, know when to swing. He wasn't hesitant at the plate, which is good. It worries me a little bit that his hard hit, the pitches that he hit hard last year, uh, a third of them came down the middle of the plate, which you just can't rely on next year. No. You, you just can't. You can't. Meatball rate in general is not sticky year to year. Like just the amount of meatballs thrown, it just it's random. So uh, about a third of the pitches that he hit hard last year came down the middle of the plate. So that worries me a little bit. But I like that he's made changes. He when I'm looking at 2020, because of how short the season was, I need to find guys who made specific skill changes, and Candelaria is one of those guys. So I'm very interested in him. Uh, for 2020, and he's he's being his ADP right now is 238, so he's like free. There's zero risk, <laughs> so you might as well. That grab makes sense, him. man. Yeah, if he can, I if love he hearing that do, as a Tigers fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think he'll be really good. He's still really young, and if he can do, if he could be Hunter Dozier, then that's a great value. Yeah. Well, yeah, Hunter Dozier without the steals, sure. Yeah, I yeah, can see for that. Sure, yeah, that would be yeah. cool. I love. Dozier so much. Now you just got me thinking about Hunter Dozier. But <laughs> in terms of this segment, 2019 or 2020, how do you figure it out? What do you do? What do you cherry pick? Are you being biased in your cherry picking? Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> we all are to a certain extent. But for me, there's a couple guys that just want to throw out their names real quick. Uh, Frankie Montas. I'll take his yes, 2019 versus yes. 2020. Thousand percent. Even though I know your boss, Nick, doesn't like pitchers with splitters or predominantly splitters, <laughs> I know, right? So. I know. Yeah, he doesn't, but uh, whatever. I like Montes a lot. Yeah, I, he had he limited hard contact very well in 2019 in a much larger sample size. So I'm going to stick to yeah. that because that's just a lot more concrete than what he did last year. And then Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil got hurt last year. He made yeah. that play where he crashed into the wall, and the bets have been moving him around. He's never got – he needs to have a stable place to play and just stay there permanently, but I love his bat. His contact skills are elite, and – I just think he's 28 years old. He's in his prime, and this is a guy you want to be judging on his 2019 and the year before, really, not his 2020. Then there's Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, he basically just couldn't hit anything. It was either a home run or a strikeout last year. It was really bad. Yeah. But we have plenty of evidence to support that this. he still mashes the ball. Whenever he makes contact, it goes a long way, and he still plays in a homer-happy park. Yep. And he's still in a lineup that is outstanding. And the AL East is a good place to play as a hitter as well. So I am not abandoning Gary Sanchez. If anything, I'm happier now because to me, his value has gone down and his ADP around 200 or so, or when the 190s, I'll take that. I will take that as my catcher. He will yeah. be my main catcher in leagues. And I know he doesn't hit for average, but I don't care because he's going to out homer almost every other catcher there is. I, I, yeah, I would agree. He, he strikes me as eventually just a three true outcome guy. Truly, no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah. And then lastly, Ty France. He was traded to the Mariners from the Padres. Never really got a chance to fully give you anything as a Padres fan. But I'm taking his 2020 over his 2019. The other three guys, it was reversed. This guy I believe in. I like what I saw from him in his limited opportunities. And I'm a big fan of Ty France in 2021. I'm all over it. The value's outstanding, too, because you can get Ty France way later in drafts. And I believe, I do believe this, that he could be your starting second baseman. And you could be selecting your starting second baseman at pick 350, 348. 
Yeah, I another um, pitchless plug. About four weeks ago, Matt Wallach uh, wrote a great piece on Ty France about how uh, bizarre of a stat cast profile he has because his oh. exit velocity and hard hit rates are terrible. I mean, like bottom <laughs> of the league, really bad, but his expected yes. batting average, WOBA, uh, and slugging percentage are super high. It's really bizarre. That is bizarre. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but Matt wrote a great piece on why that's happening. Okay, so, well, that is a out. piece I'm definitely going to read because I'm looking for all the ammo I can get. Cool, thank you. Uh, let's see, that's why we do the show. More tidbits I learned from other people. <laughs> yes. Woohoo! So there it is. Those are some of the players that we're looking at. We're taking 2019 or 2020. What do you do? This is what we're doing. There's other players. You might take 2019 or you might take 2020. Who could decide for sure? All I know is it's going to be a challenge as all of us analysts continue to try to figure out what the hell is going on. I mean, Ben, aren't you baffled? Are you a little bit baffled sometimes with this? Oh, yeah. It's it's impossible. Yeah. (laughs) It's impossible to know. It is. You just take your best guess. 2020 is the bane of every fantasy analyst's existence right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So yeah, check the check out that stuff that Ben just mentioned. I'm gonna check that out. Pitcherlist is a great place. I mean, obviously this is a Royal Fanatic podcast, and we support our own site, but we also support the work that other people are doing, and that's why we have guys like Ben on from any place. I don't care where you're from. If you're doing good work, you're a good person, and you bring something to the table. That's all that matters. You know, uh, we have had a lot of fun here, Ben. I I can't believe we've already done two hours. I I think we're going to cut it a little short. I had some more stuff I wanted to ask you, but for me, this just gives me a chance to have you back on again. We can just do a whole yeah. round of stuff I didn't get to. What do you think Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Okay. Awesome, man. Cool. It's been a, so much to do. I've, I want to do a music pod more than ever now. Like I've oh had an God, idea of yeah. doing one for a while, and I feel like you're the perfect guy to do one with too, man, because you're, oh, you're could, a wealth yeah. of musical knowledge. I, I appreciate that. I could go on a rant about all kinds of music things. So they would I be, know. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, tell people where they can find you and uh, what to look forward to from you over the next month or so. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter, at uh, Ben J. Palmer. Uh, and obviously, I write at PitcherList. Uh, I'm working on a piece on nine guys who throw money pitches that you, you might not know throw them. Uh, that'll be out probably sometime in the next week or so. Right now, we're really focused on launch day. Pitcherless launch day is next week. Uh, oh. at some, um, yeah, we're launching Pitcherless 6.0 uh, next week at some point, which will be great. We always we always do it right after the Super Bowl. Um, so we've got a bunch of really Smart. cool stuff coming out that I'm very excited for. Uh, so we're working on that. Um, Nick posted a tweet uh, about what, what's coming up all kinds of rankings and stuff on launch day, which is a little different than what we've done in the past. Usually we've done rankings throughout February. They'll all be out on launch day, uh, all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be, it's going to be really cool. So we're really, that's kind of what I'm focused on right now instead of writing. Cause I am, uh, I'm in charge of the editors at picture list. Oh. So I'm doing a lot of editing and we all are uh, a lot of editing articles and getting them prepped and ready to go for launch. So that's that's mainly what I'm doing, but I will be doing this um, piece on money pitches, and I'll probably be looking back into my pitch review series, looking at the top, is a pitch type, and whatever else might pop up, whatever else I might 
find out. If anybody ever wants to uh, wants me to look into a player or something, I am always looking for ideas for articles. Finding topics is like the hardest part of all of this. So if you've got something you want to know, just tweet at me and I'll probably write it. <laughs> if I can Well, find you know, you found an article today on the show, Lucas Sims, man. <laughs> yeah i'll definitely have to look into him because he's he's wild i'll have to make sure we've got like a thousand writers at pitcher list so i'll have to make sure no oh, yeah, article yeah, that's true. already You're we've right. grown it's it's amazing how much it's grown since i joined so it's, oh seriously it's i was scrolling your page the pitcher list main page and just reloading articles and so many names are popping up but written by written Dude, by i was like who are these when people I, it's amazing. when i when i joined like four or five years ago we had i knew the names of every single writer like because we had 20 of them maybe now we've got well over 100 holy shit it's insane it's it's that is absolutely nuts yeah it's wild it's fun but yeah just the big thing keep an eye out for launch day next week uh nick will be given a date on that uh sometime soon uh that's gonna be a lot of fun we've got some really really cool stuff uh that's gonna be coming out that i'm excited for Fabulous, man. That's great. And yeah, don't forget over here, I am MJ Govier on Twitter. You can DM me anytime about fantasy, or if you're just having a mental health conundrum, I'm down. You can DM me about anything. I don't care what it is, and I mean that truly. I like to engage and connect with new people. That's the reason I do this in the first place. I get to know a guy like Ben. See, if I hadn't done this pod, I never would be here knowing him. That's how things work. Yeah. You must do to make things happen. Action. That's creates, right. You know, reactions and emotions and all those things. Motion creates emotion and so on. So that's why we're here. You can check out the Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's, of you course. Talk. Give me two. And I think next week, boy, we got more guests coming. They're just going to keep on coming down the pipeline here. We're going to have... Vlad Sedler. We're gonna have the guys from oh, Triple nice. Play Fantasy. Other nice. Marylanders themselves. I think all three of them live in Maryland. Are they really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. they That's are. Awesome. Yeah, I've been referencing awesome. you when I talk to them. So you should uh, hook up with those guys. <laughs> yeah, you guys can talk Maryland stuff. That's that's and awesome. Yeah, they're yeah they're really funny too. They get great guests, like really great guests. So oh, man, stay tuned. We got more coming. We always do. Deer will be back with me, and we'll keep cruising along we're gonna do a listener league that i'll give you more information about as soon as that unfolds it'll be a best ball league so you don't have to worry about responsibility all season you can just draft and forget about it it'll be a lot of fun so that's it thank you ben thank you so much really appreciate it man i really do and yeah uh, hey thanks for having me on it was, it's always always a blast about fantasy baseball this was really fun it's good we got a little got bit a little bit of music a little bit of baseball a little bit of everything it was fun we did. Yeah, we absolutely yeah. did. I agree with you all the way. And don't forget, rollthefanatic.com. You can check out our latest articles by Carmarano about barrels. And we got Paul Mamino breaking down first base outliers. A lot going on over there. Good stuff that will help you improve your overall fantasy knowledge base. For Ben Palmer, I'm Michael Govier, and Godspeed to you all. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.